Good morning, Rethink Life. You guys doing good today? You don't look like it and sound like it. Come on, y'all doing good today? Man, we just celebrated 4th of July, Independence Day. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love shooting some fireworks. It's just a lot of fun. We had a great time, great experience. And uh, I just want you to know that uh, I'm, I'm super excited about being back in church. We have had an incredible month of June and our At The Movies um, experience was incredible. And so just say, so thankful for what God has done. Hey, do you realize we had 49 people that gave their lives to Jesus Christ at At The Movies? 74 first-time guests that came through our doors. So come on, let's give God all the praise for that. And uh, I just want to say thank you for inviting your friends. And that's why we do At The Movies, because it's perhaps the easiest invite opportunity that we have uh, throughout the calendar year. And so with that said, um, we're just excited for what God's been doing this summer and uh, looking forward to what he has in store for the month of July. A lot of exciting things that you just learned uh, happening in the month of July. And before I uh, dive into uh, a new collection of talks that we're starting today called RTL Vibes, uh, I want to just give you a little bit of a sneak peek about uh, what has been happening in my world over the month of uh, June. It's been a whirlwind on a personal level, uh, just a lot of uh, transitions and a lot of celebrations, a lot of things happening. Um, but for those of you who may or may not know, like I said this maybe before I left, but on uh, June the 1st, you know, every, obviously every year, June 1st, we celebrate an anniversary. Michelle and I celebrated uh, 28 years of marriage on June the 1st. And so uh, that was kind of the first domino of a lot of celebrating going on. Uh, immediately after that, on Ju uh, June the 7th, our daughter Ashlyn was married. I think we have a picture of uh, our new little family there, of all of the, uh, the daughters and son, my son Luke and the red hair there, and then my two sons-in-law. So, um, so proud of them, and Dylan and Ashlyn um, just are um, obviously walking on water right now. They're so excited, still on that honeymoon phase, and, and uh, it's just been an incredible uh, journey getting to um, celebrate just a milestone in their lives. And then, um, you know, people often say, you know, when you come together at weddings, you know, it just kind of brings all the family together. And one of the things that I had the opportunity to do, which is a very rare occasion, is get to hang out with my three brothers. And a lot of people um, always say, hey, do you have a picture of your brothers? We actually have a picture right here. So those are my brothers, Daniel, Paul, and my brother Rick. And uh, they're all serving the Lord in ministry. And so it's awesome to see uh, the legacy of our family continue in different ways and uh, how God has used them. Uh, after the wedding, we went to uh, a place uh, on the beach for a vacation. Supposedly it was a vacation. It was actually a family reunion with 19 people. And uh, I don't know about you, but anytime you have 19 people that are hanging out with you on the vacation, you need a vacation after the vacation. Can I get an amen? It's just kind of like, where's you down and where's you out? But, um, but anyway, it was an amazing time. And then as soon as we came back um, from that, uh, we actually celebrated my wife Michelle's 50th birthday. And so next time you see her, you can look at her and say, can't believe you're a half century old. But uh, no, don't say that. Don't say that. But, uh, but no, it was, a, it was a great time celebrating uh, such a milestone in her life. And then right after that, uh, we transitioned and took our son Luke 
to Birmingham, Alabama. He started an internship there uh, with Church at the Highlands, and uh, he'll be starting in the fall at Highlands College, and so got him all settled and situated, and then uh, came back home, made another trip to Lynchburg, Virginia to get my daughter Ashlyn and son-in-law uh, all settled into the new, their new place there in Lynchburg, Virginia. So as you can tell, it's been a crazy month, a lot of moving parts, but all good stuff. And so uh, those are moments that we will certainly cherish and um, just excited because of the opportunity we have to, uh, to now officially be empty nesters. Michelle and I, we were talking the other night, it's kind of like, what do you want to do now? Where are you going to go? So, you know, of course, she just wanted to go to the clubs downtown. I said, no, we can't do that. We're pastors. <laughs> just kidding. So anyway, but no, it's, uh, it's a fun season, great time, and uh, can't, can't wait to see what God uh, has in store for our family, but also um, for what God has in store for the rest of us here at Rethink Life. And that's the reason why we're kicking off this new series called RTL Vibes. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a good vibe going on. That's what I'm talking about. Because when you think about vibes, you know, there's something special when it comes to, um, you know, what, our persona, what we carry with us and how we carry it. And that's what we're talking about in the coming weeks. We're going to unpack what we call our RTL vibes. In other words, they're our core values. We have six core values as a church, and we're going to unpack those and, and understand the importance of them, the relevancy of them, even as it relates to our own personal lives. And I would be safe to say that when you think about core values, most of us think in terms of kind of like corporate uh, core values. You know, a lot of times you'll be in a, in a, uh, in a, in a corporate environment or maybe a business uh, or a nonprofit, and you know, a lot of times they'll have on their wall, you know, their mission statement or a vision purpose statement. And just like we have one out front, you know, it's lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our mission statement. But we also had a, have a set of core values. And, and you know, it's a, when you think about core values, those core values are maybe a, a, a set of standards. They're maybe a set of priorities. They are beliefs or even behaviors that really kind of help determine what's important for an organization or what's important for a nonprofit or maybe what's important to you as a person or as a family or maybe in your marriage. They're the non-negotiables, if you will. And when you think about those core values, those core values also help kind of set you apart. Sometimes core values can even be the intangibles, kind of what's helped create the culture, the vibe, the feel, if you will. It's kind of like when you walk into a Chick-fil-A there's just something about Chick-fil-A that's different than other, you know, fast food restaurants. You know, you go to a Chick-fil-A and they just have a certain vibe, a certain feel that just is uniquely different than others that you might would compare it to. You go to nice hotels. There are some hotels out there like a Ritz-Carlton. You know, they are known for excellence and what they do and how they do it to the smallest of details. But that's a value that's important to them, and that's what they are known for. My son Luke, he uh, is 18, and as you know, teenage boys, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's something uh, good that happens when they discover cologne. You know what I'm saying? I mean... You, you, you discover when they don't have cologne on, it kind of fills the, the atmosphere of the whole house. You know what I'm saying? But when they discover cologne, that's a good thing. Until they really discover cologne. Like, like overkill cologne. Like, you know, the, 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 the kind of cologne, like, look, you need to kind of like tone it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Because like it just fills up the whole house. 
And it's kind of interesting because that's kind of the way our core values should play out in our lives. In other words, there should be an aroma, a fragrance. There should be, there should be something unique, distinctive about our lives. Why? Because our lives are shaped. Our lives are often determined. Even if our future, our destiny is often defined by what we believe, what, what we have shaped our life around and what we have built our lives upon. And so when you think about, you know, the, the core values, if you will, of your life or maybe your organization or even us as a church, you know, it's been said it's one thing to have the core values hanging on a wall. The bigger question is, what is happening down the hall? In other words, is your life or those values actually being lived out? Because it's one thing to say what's important to us. It's another thing to live out what is important to us. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be learning how we can adapt and ultimately, um, in many ways, embrace some values that are important to us. And I just want to encourage you to understand that if you're not building your life on values, especially the values that are in alignment with God's values, then it probably means that you really have chosen a set of values that are more consistent with the things of this world. And the, the problem is, is that too many people, especially in the church, those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, sadly and unfortunately, we blend in too much with the world. The Bible says we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So there should be something that sets us apart, that makes us unique and distinctive, that we're known for because we're living differently than the norm. That's why Paul said, don't conform any longer to the things of this world but instead be transformed. So God's called us, he's called you and me as followers of Christ to be transformers, not conformers. How in the world, how in the world can we influence the world if we are constantly being influenced? So we want to be influencers. God's called us to be different. And so with that in, in mind, we're gonna learn today what is important to God. Because when you think about core values, how would you define that? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Jeremiah says it this way. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. Notice that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's interesting, that word boast simply means to, to identify what is important. Well, when you think about the world, what the world boasts about, what do they boast about? They, they boast about their, their intellect. You know, we boast about our possessions. You know, the world or the culture today will, 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 you know, will boast about, you know, their position. You know, they boast about a lot of things. But, but God says, hey, we ought, to, we ought to boast about him. In other words, we, our greatest aim in life as followers of Jesus is to know God and to make him known. It's all about loving God and loving people. 
And so what he wants us to do is to exhibit and to, to model, to embrace, if you will, to embody the things that are important to him. And so what is that? Well, unfailing love. It's the kindness that we exude, how we treat one another. It's, it's the justice that, you know, that we allow, you know, a sense of rightness that where there's, there's fairness among, you know, the people that we associate with. And ultimately, God is judge, but we should also give, give to those who, who need to be supported and helped to, to the innocent and to, to, to help those who have been treated unjustly and unfairly. But also righteousness, where we're living our lives with a sense of purity and innocence and spirituality that once again sets us apart. Why? Because we are all about knowing God and making Him known. So with that in mind, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to identify what we as a church to be important to us. These are the things that we want to be known for. Now, I'll be honest with you, this was um, something that we thought long and hard about many, many years ago, and we identified six core values. Now, there's a lot of things that are important to us, a lot of important things to me. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that we could say and add to this list, but it would be a long list because there are a lot of important things. There are a lot of important things that I know that are near and dear to your heart. There are things that matter to you. And because they matter to you, those should really serve as some core values. Let me, let me say it to you this way. I've learned that typically how we define our core values are built on three things. Number one, it's, it's built on our, our conscience. In other words, where uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and reveals to us a certain rightness and a certain wrongness about certain things. So God speaks to us and sometimes things are defined through our conscience. And then another thing is through our convictions. There are just some things that we stand for. There are some things that are extremely important to us. Why? Because they are convictions. Sometimes it's based on our experiences. It's just what we know. It's what we believe. But they're convictions that are near and dear to our hearts. So God speaks to us through our, through our conscience, through our convictions, but also through our calling. In other words, there is a destiny that is attached to our calling. God has a great plan and a purpose. So when you think about our values, so often what happens is our values are birthed out of our calling, our conscience, as well as our convictions. The same is true with us as a church. So we've identified six, and we want to share with the first of, of and they're not necessarily in any order. But some of these values may want to become your values. Some of these values might be something you want to embrace in your marriage relationship or in your family that becomes something important that you want to be known for as a church. This is the fragrance, if you will, that fills your life. So the first that we're going to unpack today is the word honor. And here's how we say it here at Rethink Life. Our vibe is honor is our calling. We just believe that God has called us to honor Him and to honor other people. You ever thought about what the word honor actually means? Here's the definition. Honor is defined as value, respect, or to hold in high esteem, or to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. At the same time, the opposite is true with dishonor. What does dishonor mean? It means to treat something or someone as common or ordinary. I believe one of the greatest temptations 
that happens in our lives on a relational level is to treat people that we are around on a consistent and constant basis as familiar or as common. But here's the thing. Familiarity is the enemy of honor. And the reason why is because the more we're around people, the more we take people for granted. The more we begin to treat them as common. The more we begin to to suddenly dethrone them, if you will, from a place of honor to a place of commonality. Therefore, what happens is we end up saying things we shouldn't say. We end up treating people in a way that we shouldn't treat them. And what happens when we decrease honor, we increase anger. And that's the reason why so many marriages struggle. Is because a husband and a wife, over a course of time, the longer they become married, what happens? They begin to treat one another as common or as ordinary. We begin to say things we wish we, wish we wouldn't have said. We begin to treat one another in ways that we shouldn't have treated one another. And what happens? Honor is decreased and anger is increased. And so what we have to understand is that there is power when it comes to how we honor people. And here are three things that, that I, I want to share, three thoughts, if you will, on this subject of honor, when it comes to honor as our calling. Number one is this. The level of honor we give is determined by the amount of value we perceive. The level of honor we give is determined by the amount of value we perceive. I'll ask you a question. What is important to you? And another question is the follow-up maybe is, is who is important to you? Again, we can say certain things are important to us. But again, do the values hanging on our wall actually happen down the hall? In other words, we can say our spouse is important to us, but how do we treat our spouse? How do we perceive our children? How do we perceive our coworkers? If you're a student, how do you perceive your teachers? How do you perceive those in authority? You see, how we perceive people, how we see people, will greatly determine how we choose to honor or perhaps dishonor people. Are you tracking with me? You see, this is very important, and here's the reason why. Because the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus said, Wherever your treasure is, there your heart, the desires of your heart, will also be. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that when people... Um, have something of great value or importance to them, they usually do three things. Number one, they protect it. So whoever and whatever is important to you, you usually go out of your way to protect whatever that is or whoever that is. Why? Because the perception that you have to that person or to that situation or whatever possession you have, the perception is something of great value and importance. Therefore, you treat it differently. Therefore, you protect it. It's kind of like when you get a brand new car. What do you do? You wash it several times a day. You treat it with great value. Fast forward 24 months down the road. What do you do? You treat it as common, as ordinary. You know what I'm saying? You know, someone dings your car two years later. You don't even care because there's 50 other dings on your car. But if somebody dings your car during the first week after you buy it, man, 
It's defeating, isn't it? Why? Because it's something that you place value on. You're trying to protect it. Same is true when you think about not just protecting something, but how you prioritize things. At the end of the day, we do what we want to do. And we do things that are of great importance to us. So whatever it is that we value, if we value Little League stuff and gymnastics and cheerleading and we value going to the beach and we value going hunting and fishing and we value you know going to the lake and we value going up to the mountains and we value we treasure all of these things nothing bad about any of those things but those things suddenly begin to crowd out God and suddenly those things begin to interrupt if you will your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that matter to him, well, what you're saying is, God, those things have a higher value than you do in my life. That's the reason why the Bible says, wherever your treasure is, whatever you treasure, whatever you value, whatever carries weight, has value in your life, whatever is important, how you perceive that is what you're going to give honor to. So it's important that we realize that it protects, it prioritizes, but here's another thing that we do. When something is important to us, guess what? We're going to praise it. I could ask some of you who have grandkids, hey, let me see your picture of your grandkids. Man, you pull out your phone and, man, let me show you my grandkids, my grandkids. You mean you're going down the list of all things that they can do and how great they are and how awesome they are and how cute they are. And, man, you're going on and on and on about your grandkids. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because that's a great value and importance to you, but because of they have great value and importance to you, what do you do? You praise them. You talk about them. But so often what happens is, after we've been married for multiple years, the temptation is, once again, we treat our spouse as common or as ordinary. We devalue them. We say things that we shouldn't say, and as a result, what are we doing? We're dishonoring. No, we need to praise one another. It's the reason why it's so important that we come into the house of God. We come with a spirit of expectation. We come with a heart of worship, coming with expectation and praises to our God for who He is and what He has done for our lives. Why? Because of great value and importance that He plays into our lives. So it's so important that we realize that, yeah, when we perceive something to be important... We're going to treat it accordingly. We're going to protect it. We're going to prioritize it. We're going to praise it. Well, how much more should we do that with our children? How much more should we do that with our spouse? How much more should we do that with the people that God has given us influence over, that God has allowed us to be able to be around in the workplace? Why? Because I believe when we honor people, we're honoring God. It's a way that God has called us to live. Can I just say, say another thing? This is a little personal testimony. I know that for my wife, Michelle, as, we, as we've been married for over 28 years and now have three grown kids, we've come to realize that, you know, as we reflect back on a lot of things, we, we get asked all the time about our kids. And, and, you know, one of the things that we look back on is, is the fact that we, we, we made some things that were non-negotiables in our home. For example, one of those things was, was church. Like, we didn't give our kids options. Well, they say, well, you, you might say, well, duh, you're the pastor. Well, they don't get options. No, they had options. And trust me, I've been in over 300 churches in the last 30 years, and there's a lot of pastors that I've known and that I am, am friends with whose children 
had no desire whatsoever for the things of God or the church. There's, there's no guarantees. But at the end of the day, we said, you know what? The church is of great importance to us. We want to be rooted in the church. Why? Because we believe, the Bible says, that when we are rooted into the house of the Lord, listen, our lives will flourish in the courts of our God. You want your marriage to flourish? You want your family relationships to flourish? Get rooted into the house of God. Make it a priority in your life. So the fact that you're here today, what you're saying is, is that yes, God has great value and importance in my life, and His church has great value and importance in my life. And I promise you, as you honor God, God's going to honor you. Your life, your marriage, your home, your relationships, they're going to flourish. Why? Because you've chosen to honor God. So give yourself a hand clap for being in church today when you could have been at the beach today, when you could have been at the, you know, wherever, Walmart. Take your pick, whatever's important to you. Number two, if you're taking notes. The level of value you receive is determined by the amount of honor you give. The level of value you receive is determined by the amount of honor you give. In other words, Galatians 6, 7 says it this way. So law of sowing and reaping. A man reaps, a woman reaps what they what? Sow. So when we sow honor into other people, we sow honor in that way. Guess what? We're going to reap honor from other people. People are going to place value on us. Why? Because we're placing value. We're sowing value and honor in the lives of other people. Uh, the, the story in Mark, where, uh, in the book of Mark, where Jesus was going into his hometown in, in Nazareth, we see something interesting beginning in verse 1 in Mark chapter 6. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned to with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And, and many who heard him were amazed. And they, they asked, well, where, where did he get all of his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And, the, and so they scoffed. And, and here's notice what happened. They began to devalue. They began to treat him as common, as ordinary. Suddenly, honor was decreased. And they said, oh, well, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and and his sister, his sisters, well, they just live right down the street among us. And they were deeply offended and, notice, refused to believe in him. And Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his home, his own hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own family. And because, notice, of their unbelief, because of their lack of honor, because they failed to place value and importance and weight on who Jesus was, notice he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place the hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. If you ever, ever find yourself asking the question, I wonder why people don't show me much honor and respect. I deserve to be treated differently. I deserve more honor. I deserve for people to respect me more than what I seem to be respected. You just need to ask the question, how much honor am I giving to other people? How much respect am I showing toward others? How do I treat other people in my life? How do I treat my spouse? If I want respect from my spouse, 
if I want my spouse to honor me, the question is, how much honor am I showing my spouse? How much honor and respect am I showing other people? Because we reap what we sow. Let's be a church that sows honor in everywhere we go. Why is it so important? I like to say it this way. Without honor, you're a goner. Listen, we need to honor God and honor people. Why? Because people matter. Thirdly is this. Honor is what you decide, not what they deserve. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 7. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If, if revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Here's what I've come to realize. I've come to realize that we live in a culture today, and I would say now more than ever because of social media, we have a tendency to literally just bash one another because their beliefs, their values are different than ours. We, we, we go on these rages, if you will, these, 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 tan, these tantrums where, where people will just, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, they just go off on people. You read all the time where, where kids are going off on their teachers. You, you, you see so much discord in our society and so much division. I don't care if it's racially or politically or economically or pick your poison. Everybody seems to always want to point the finger and cast fault and, you know, cast blame and verbally criticize and verbally condemn. And man, we're just, we, we have become masters of devalue and even dehumanizing people. All because they disagree with us. All because we have differing views or opinions that they have. Here's the, listen, at the end of the day, honor is really no big deal in the minds of most people until it's tested. And how is honor tested? When someone disagrees with you. When someone doesn't like what you do or like how you go about doing That's when honor is tested. That's when the real acid test really begins to manifest itself based on our response. How do we respond to people who have different values and beliefs than we do? How do we, how do we respond to other people who disagree with us? Again, when dishonor, excuse me, when honor is decreased, anger is what? Increased. Why would we want to judge somebody else when they sin differently than we do? That'll preach. Doesn't necessarily mean that we have to agree with everybody. I don't agree with certain things that happen in our country. I don't agree with the moral lifestyle and decisions that people have made. I don't agree with a lot of things when it comes to you know, certain ethics and, and morals that people have chosen to. I don't agree with all of those things. That's not what I'm about. That's not who I am. I, I don't I have a differing opinion and belief and conviction about what God's word says about certain things. But at the end of the day, it is not my responsibility to throw them under the bus. It's not my responsibility to go off on them on social media. It's not my responsibility 
ability to disrespect and dishonor. Why? Because in my attempt in doing so, I'm only creating more harm, only creating more division, and I'm only doing the very thing that hurts the heart of God, and that is showing dishonor to Him. Because I'm dishonoring the people that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for. Now, can I just say this as we wrap up our time together, I realize that there are some of you here today and you've gone through horrific situations and circumstances that no human being should ever have to encounter. To be honest with you, some of you, you've endured the pain of abuse. Because I hear it all the time. They say, Rodney, how in the world do you expect me to honor someone who has hurt me, someone who has offended me, someone who's walked out on me, someone who's betrayed me? someone who's abused me, someone who's belittled me, criticized me, and condemned me my whole life. How in the world do you expect me to treat someone like that with honor when they have brought so much pain to my life? We don't excuse that. We don't dismiss that. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, we have to release them to God and say, God, I'm placing them into your hands. I'm placing them into your hands. And even though they've hurt me and they've wronged me and they've abused me and they've betrayed me and they've walked out on me, God, I'm still going to treat them with honor because I'm an honorable person. You say, well, Rodney, I can't buy into that. Flip the script. The Bible says in Romans 5, verses 7 and 8, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him. You and I, listen, we don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve a second chance. We don't deserve heaven. Why? Because of our sin. Our sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. And yet God, through his love and his mercy and his compassion, showed, demonstrated, put his love in action by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for those that have hurt us, to die for those that we disagree with, to die for those that are different from us, to die for those. Why? Because when God sees them, he places high value and worth. They, listen, in the eyes of God, listen, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God not only made them, but He made them. Why? Because He loves them and He wants a relationship with them. And the reason why we honor here at Rethink Life, the reason why we want that to be our vibe, is because we believe that when we honor people, we're honoring God. And I want the blessings and the favor and the hand and the anointing and the power of Almighty God to rest upon this place. 
the rest upon our church, the rest upon, listen, the, the mission and the vision that God has called us to fulfill as a local church. Why? Because Jesus died for the church. Jesus placed value on the church. Jesus died for you and for me. And because we matter to God and people matter to God, hey, don't you think they ought to matter to us? So honor is our calling. My prayer is that maybe you'll make that a value of your life and your marriage and your home. and You'll allow that to be a vibe, a fragrance of your life that sets you apart from this world. That knows a lot about dishonor, but longs to see honor lived out in the lives of others. Let's bring honor back. Amen, church? Let's pray together.